Good morning, friends. I wanted, before we do anything else, I, I asked if we could play a little bit. This was the president of the Ukrainian Baptist uh, Union uh, there. And, uh, and next to him, I don't know if you saw Elijah Brown, who is the president of Baptist World Alliance. Um, they're going through, I don't know if there's any other word than hell at the moment, right? They're, they're staying focused. You've seen, you've seen all kinds of things, uh, going on also with people, uh, hiding, uh, you know, in train station underground and try to get out of that. You know, revival is breaking out in certain areas of that as some are, are standing up Christians to preach and gathering people in and, and talking about the Lord. Uh, so many uh, people around the Ukrainian Baptist uh, have been around for a very long time. They've been Christians, of course, in Ukraine for a long time. But the Ukrainian Baptists, uh, about 300,000 of them, uh, who are meeting on Sundays around uh, in about 2,300 churches or so, uh, and, and going through a uh, very difficult time, always have uh, none of them that are that are just kind of sitting around like like we sometimes are thinking, should I go outside? You know, well, I don't know about church. It's uh, it's just 71. I like it better when it's 72. Uh, you know, you don't have that kind of situation uh, when you're there. Those of you who have worked behind what used to be behind the Iron Curtain, as we said it, but certainly in, in Eastern Europe still will know uh, what we're going, going through. And so I'd like for us to just spend a moment before we do anything else, uh, and then I'll close that just with prayer. Could we do that? Could we pray for our brothers and sisters in, in Ukraine? Um, just a group of, of Christians who are trying um, to be God's voices and hands and feet in this very difficult situation. Go ahead and just pray uh, on your own for a moment and I'll draw it to a close. Father, to fathom the evil that we watch every time we open a news channel of any sort is beyond what we can comprehend. But Father, we know in whom we trust. And we know that the word of God continues to call us as as also Jimmy pointed to earlier, around the globe all the time, there's no change in that. Whether evil comes our way, whether persecution comes our way, whether difficulty, whether hunger, whether struggles, whether whatever. While your word stands with a call, bring out that word of our Lord Jesus Christ and let him know that there is a God who cares and who will walk with us even through the shadow of the valley of death. In the midst of that awareness and that prayer, O oh Lord, we pray for the people of Ukraine, for those around in Poland, Moldova, and, and other areas that, that seem so close and are touched so deeply about with this. Father, melt our hearts. Let them overflow with love. If we pray for the people in general in those regions, 
that they may see the mercy hand, merciful hand of God to stop the evil coming their way. Father, would you allow us also to not just bash in our blessed state. Fill our hearts with prayer, our, our hearts with yearning for to see your hand and allow us to recognize the call that comes also from being where we are. So, Father, we ask for peace. We ask for grace that surpasses all understanding. For wisdom. For those who stand up against evil and for your strong hand to crush the head of the evil one. Put us on our knees, Father, even when we're alone, we sit in front of TV screens or in front of computer screens and read and watch. May our brothers in Christ know that they are not alone. In your name we pray. Powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Sorry if... um, if um, I felt uh, that this was necessary and you said, what are we bringing this here? We are part of a family, friends. We really are. It's global. It's everywhere, right? It's not just us. Let's not hide in some kind of, you know, provincial kind of cocoon. Let's recognize that these are our friends and these are our brothers and sisters and we'll pray for them. I want to talk to you about something else, Right? But it relates directly. Will you allow me to do that? I'm going to talk to you about age. You know, age is weird, right? <laughs> There's not an age group that is not weird. I'm going to get around. You're going to, you're going to see what we call this series, uh, you know, for life. And so we're playing this for the sake of life and for the duration of life. And, and today we're going to deal with, with, uh, youth, young for life, uh, or being useful for life, if you will. You know, uh, everybody dreams about being young for life, it seems, right? That, that's what it's about. There's a billion dollar industry that is trying to make people look like they're young, right? For life. And, and, and we know all these kinds of things. But, but there's always trouble in all of these things, right? If, if you meet uh, someone that is young, they're always suspect a little bit. You can kind of wipe them off, right? Write them off as not all that important just with a simple, well, she's young or he's young. Yes? That's just another sentence, kind of a kind of way of saying they don't really know what they're talking about. <laughs> they're young, they're inexperienced. We'll forgive them. No, no, they'll get wiser. That's kind of another way of saying that, right? So you think, oh, so it's better to be old. Wait, we don't use that word anymore. We say older. You know, but, you know, that's not any better. It's really not. You know, just a simple sentence that, you know, he or she is, is kind of getting old. That's, uh, or getting older, you know, I have to say that, right? That, that's another way of saying, well, uh, we understand they're from a different age. Maybe they just can't keep up with stuff, right? We'll forgive them. We understand the world is moving a bit fast for them at the moment, right? You hear me? It's just age is strange. So we say, well, if I'm in the middle group, I'm safe. No, you're not. Because either you kind of get stuck 
in the 80s, right? Or in the 90s, I should say. You know, college graduates are born in the 2000s nowadays, right? You know that. So, did I say that? Yeah. Uh, so, either we're kind of stuck in the 70s, the 80s or 90s kind of thing. Or, we're so focused on, on the future and, and trying to create a career so we will have something whenever we retire. So, young people are saying, who are these guys? They, they, they just miss the present. It's just weird. Age is something strange. But let me say this. Age is no hindering, no hindrance, sorry, for anything. To the contrary, age is our strength. The changing ages in a person's life is a gift from God. It is our opportunity to experience all of life. In fact, rather than allowing ourselves to be kind of slowed up or maybe even stopped by, by claims for related to our age, the different kinds of ages are a strength. The Bible is pretty clear about these things and, and that each age has its own strength. And think of this. Imagine what would happen if every little group Every Bible group, every friends group, every Sunday school class, every, we're looking at it and said, okay, this is where we are. How can we maximize the strength that God has given to our particular age group? Imagine what would happen. Right, Jimmy? Not, not just in India, not just in the southern hemisphere, but right here. If everybody was saying, okay, this is who we are. This is where we are at the moment. So God, the gifts that you're giving to this particular group can be maximized this way and reach these people and do these kinds of things that can't be done by others. Imagine if everyone did that. There will not be empty seats in First Baptist Church of Louisville. There just would not. And so... I read this uh, text today that speaks to youthfulness, to being young. We're going to talk about uh, Timothy today. And if you have your Bible, First Timothy chapter 4, if not, it's going to come on the screen. We'll begin to read by verse uh, 12. I'm going to use that word young, not in, in terms so much of age, but, but as a synonym for kind of the energy and the flexibility and the, the willingness to, to try new things and to say, how can I best reach that call that is mine? That's the point here of, of this. Because, you know, when we say young in biblical sense, Timothy probably was not, like many would have read this text, 16, 18 years old. He was probably mid-30s. Uh, when, when Paul talks to him about these things, but still in that context, he's the one that continues to focus on how can we find greater strength and deeper meaning and so on for the call that God has given us. So, verse 12 of chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, don't let anyone despise your youth or think lowly about you because you're young. But set an example 
for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through the prophecy which is laying on our hands by the council of the elders. Practice these things. Be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to your life and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. I have another text that I asked him to find from, from Philippians. I'll go there in a minute, but just because of, of where we are at the moment, let me just talk first about Timothy here and then come back to that in just a second. Timothy became well-known primarily because of his willingness and his usefulness as Paul's co-worker. I'm going to give you a little bit of a biographical sketch. He was... Uh, he was, uh, or he found faith, if you will, along with his mom and his grandmother during Paul's first visit to, to Lystra. We hear nothing about him here, but we hear about him when Paul comes back to Lystra two years later. And as we hear about him there, it says about him that he was highly appreciated in the church. They spoke well of him in the church, it says. You know, you can only imagine what might have happened during those two years, right? The Bible is somewhat silent on that, but, but you wonder, what was it that he was the one that they paid attention to? Out of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who come to faith through the testimony of Paul and his co-workers, Hundreds and hundreds of people that Paul could have chosen to be his co-workers like Timothy and bring with him on this travel. What was it that made Paul choose this young man who had been Christian for just a couple of years? You have to think about that for a moment. What made him so useful for God's kingdom? Uh, I think the answer is found exactly as we go through and look at his biography. You'll see it was because he was someone whose heart was firmly determined that his, his life was to make a difference for the kingdom of God and for the church in which he was set to serve. And the result of this was that his life came to stand as an example for Christians through all generations. Just think of that. Young person like that. He said yes. When God called. And said I want you here. There's hardly uh, any doubt about Timothy. That when he decided to b- become a Christian. He did so with all the eagerness. And all the excitement. And all the kind of focus that a young Christian or a young person will do when they decide to do something that is truly exciting for them. Nowadays, we, we kind of use different language, right? If you're into leadership and reading books like that, you know you've got to find your why. Yes? 
You're going to find your why. This is what excites you. That, that's a millennial kind of generation. They, they, you can't make them work unless they find their why. What makes them tick? What is it that gives life meaning? Why would we want to invest our lives in these things? And so you have to explain your why. And that why was pretty clear for Timothy. In spite of all these other kind of things uh, that he would have had the opportunity to do, he chose God's kingdom. Don't, don't miss this. People that are really strong in, in that area would also have been so otherwise. Think of the energy that we hear about him. The, the diplomatic gifts that he has. We'll look at that later when Paul is kind of sending him out uh, on his behalf. All, all that ability to, to do all these things. He could have used them for personal benefit, for his own career. But he chose him to channel this into his call for God. And it was not always easy. You know, there were people that stood in line to say, you know, who do you think he is? He's just a kid. In fact, their objections were so strong that they're in Scripture, right? They, they say, Paul has to tell him that don't let anyone talk you down or think lowly of you. The word translation here is the word despise, but the literal word here is that to think you down, or to think lowly about you. And then the other side, of course, of this, Paul says, no, don't let him do that. In fact, do the opposite. Channel all that youthful eagerness and excitement. And don't think it has to do just with age, right? One of the things is you can remain youthful your whole life. That's the point I think that's being made in this text. Channel all this so that you become an example for all believers. The word here, tupas, uh, sorry if I get into that, but that really means so that you embody, that not just a simple example, that you embody, that you became a, a type of, that you exemplify in the strongest way who Christ is to these other people. Now, I, I have to ask you a question, friends. I have to ask myself that too. How long has it been? Since you looked to someone who was far younger than you and asked them to give you the example. You look to them for the example of what it means to follow Christ. Well, let's turn it around. How, if it's those of you who are younger, how long has it been since you thought of yourself as an example for others, not just to your peers or to those who are younger than you, but to those who are older than you. That's what Paul is asking here of Timothy. Not that it's easy. But Paul's exhortation or his encouragement here, if you will, to this uh, youthful person called Timothy was that he should not let anything or anyone talk him out. Of his excitement and his focus for the gospel. That energy that comes with that should not be quenched by anyone. And then look how Paul 
describes this further. If you look at verse 15, if you have your Bible open, you, you look at verse 15, you'll see that his encouragement here to Timothy continues. And he kind of explains what's going on. He's saying, you practice these things, be committed to them so that your progress may be evident, that is visible to all. Don't just have your own inner kind of thing. Make progress. Make it so that people can be inspired by the way God has called you and your response to this. You know, the specialty uh, or the specific usefulness of Timothy is not tied to his age. It's tied to his willingness to go where God called and to be that example. That's what usefulness is. That you can remain young for your life. You remain flexible. You remain eager. You remain energetic for the gospel. Please listen and see what's going on here. This, this is such a strong thing that it is far beyond what we can almost fathom. When Paul writes this letter to Timothy, he is a pastor of what was at that time one of the largest churches on the globe in one of the largest and most, you know, energetic, uh, kind of cities, business cities in the world. Already as a young person. He had proven himself trustworthy in the things of God so that he can be placed on the important posts in God's kingdom. The study, the study of, of Timothy is a study of how in God's economy there's a direct relation between faithfulness and usefulness for the kingdom of God. Please don't hear this as, as some kind of, you know, slam, I'm not good. That's not the point. Are you hearing this? That is not the point. Paul does not write this to Timothy to make Sosthenes feel bad or make Silas feel bad or, or the other co-workers. He is writing this to highlight the importance and the glory that comes from being one with a heart like Timothy. I want you to notice what's, what's going on here. From the very first time we hear about him, when Paul invites him to go with him, what do we see with Timothy? We see exactly this. He stands next to Paul when stones are falling, when they are persecuted, and when they have to be driven out of cities to avoid being killed. And then when they come from Thessalonica and they come down to Athens, and Paul is worried about that little group of, of Christians up in Macedonia, up in Thessalonica. They had been there three weeks before he left, but there was such a persecution, it was cost of life. Who is he sending back into the lion's den? Timothy. My friend, would you go up there and encourage these Christian brothers and sisters? No wonder, he says, I had no one like him later on when Paul wrote his his letter to the Corinthians uh, he also sent Timothy out and and he's hoping that he will make it uh, to Corinth and he's concerned he knows pretty well that when that letter lands in the Corinthians hands there are going to be people asking really hard questions and these were not timid folks they asked the hard questions 
They were self-assertive. They were strong. It was so strong, in fact, that he writes in, in, uh, in chapter 16, as, as he ends that letter to, to, to the church, he has to say that if Timothy comes, or when he comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is among you, because he's doing the Lord's work. It's not easy, friends. But regardless of the difficulty and the challenges of the task, we see again and again a person who is tied, even moored to his commitment to God, that where God sends me, I will go. Then again later, and this gets us to that text in, in, um, in Philippians that I mentioned before. Paul is writing uh, a letter. He's sitting in his prison cell in Rome, and he sends Timothy to Philippi. And he writes about Timothy right here in chapter 2, verse 19, um, verse 20. Let's just start there. I have no one else like him who will genuinely care for your interests. All the others, Moses, seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his approving character because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. Everyone seeks their own. But Timothy, there's no one like him who truly, genuinely cares about you all and God's kingdom. It was an enormous task. It was a 40 days travel on foot from Rome uh, and to, to Philippi and 40 days travel again back. Not many people were willing to do that. But Timothy, useful for life, for the sake of life, for the duration of life. And if you read that whole chapter, I encourage you to do that when you come home, Philippians chapter 2. You will see that the verses here follow right after Paul has said uh, something about imitating Christ. I want the same attitude to be among you as was in Christ Jesus. And then it comes just a few verses later. He says, let me show you what that looks like. I'm going to send you Timothy. I have no one like him. Pretty powerful. So when they met him, they saw a living example. Someone who was still focused on Christ. Now, I, I can't read these things without having to apply them to me, to you, to us. As God has called us, even in this season together here, right? That that, that eagerness and, and, and youthfulness, if you will, excitement, we often think that that belongs to the youth. Well, that's the whole point, that, that when it comes to faith, we are called to be young for life, for the sake of life, with the kind of energy for Christ, the kind of focus on Christ, the kind of flexibility that allows us to be faithful in any given situation. Paul's description here 
is cutting itself, if you will, its description of Timothy into the very bone and marrow of our identity, I think. I don't know how you hear this. I know how I heard it. I had to ask myself, could he have written that about me? I have no one like him who deeply cares about others and their relationship to Christ. Could he have written about about us? Would, Would that be true? About us, not just as individuals, but as, as a church. Would that be true? You know, he mentioned two groups here. He mentioned right there in that same verse, right? That they have no one like him who genuinely cares about others. And then the other group, but all the others are, are just seeking their own benefit. The call is for us to be like Timothy or Timothine. Is that a word? Timothine? I hope and I pray that we can be inspired by that. Can you be inspired by people who lived earlier? People who are exemplifying who a Christian disciple, what a Christian disciple looked like. Are you still able to be inspired by this? Or is this just a story we've heard a thousand times? One of you are inspired? I, I hope so. I mean, we, we read these things, friends. And God has allowed these, these people to shine from the pages of scriptures, not to make us feel like, well, we're not like that, but to say, hey, he's just like us. There's nothing in particular. God does not plan these things around certain kind of fantastic people. In fact, when you look at Timothy, what you know is that he was somewhat weak. His health was not all that great. He didn't have this forceful personality. Right? He had to be told not to be kind of allow himself to be put down. He had to be told to take certain medicine uh, also for his stomach. Again and again, we know that he was not this strong person where God said, well, that's the dude I can use because he can do all these things. No. It's the other way around. God says to you, to you, to you, to me, I can use you. The only thing I look at is your willingness to be useful in your heart. That is to have that kind of focus, that kind of heart, that kind of willingness to be used by me. It's all about God and his call and our commitment and our willingness to fall, to follow that call. God needs people like Timothy. I wish there had been a way that I knew how to pronounce that as a Timothine, but you, you get it. He needs church like that right here. Can you imagine? Not just 12 people under a tree someplace, but this.
all of us, those of you who are listening also from home, and those of you who, who, who can come and be part and who are listening and say, I wonder if I should come. Yes, let's do this together, friends. Follow what he said. There's, there's something. There was a song, an, an old Danish hymn that you don't know. Some of them are translated like we just sang one today, or store a good, right where you sang, you know, how great thou art. But this song was the one that crystallized my own call. It says like this, and I'm not doing the, the beautiful kind of poetry, but it rhymes in Danish. Let's put it that way. Is that okay? Lord, place me where I can be of greatest use, but let me, let me never miss the certainty that I'm serving you. And that comes, friends, that conviction as you serve. Throw yourselves in the arms of God. I drive by out here. I stand before you here. I, I, I met some of you that are not here today. You may be listening also there. And I'm thinking, God, what you can do in this place. Oh, my. In this place where groups and groups, most of these groups that even Jimmy was talking about, they live in your neighborhood in these days. Father, I ask that you will do your work. Even now, even here, even in us, even in me, the individual, as we gather, as we find one another on the phone or in a Zoom call or in the neighborhood, Bible study group, around a water cooler. Even if we have to be forced down underground Father may there be clearly a call if you call us to walk into the lion's den like Timothy was coming back into Macedonia where they've been shunned speak to us Father rise up even here renewed call so many great, wonderful people who walk with you already. Strengthen our call. Allow us to search for that moment where we sense I can be youthful for life. Full of energy, flexible, excited, creative, thinking about how I can go into places I haven't been and be a witness in a new way. Pour out your spirit, O oh Lord, even in this moment. As we see Christians stepping up around the world right now, may that be true also of us right here in Louisville and all these towns around. That's what we ask. Use us. Thank you, Father, for the privilege calling on us give us ear to hear even now 
Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. I forgot to look at the clock. I just see now it's after 5, I mean after 11, but I think you're okay. God calls you to come forward, grab someone's hand, say, I, I got to pray. Why not now? Why not now? Maybe you say, I, I need to find a fellowship, a new church to be part of. I need to be in a place that people yearn to share the gospel and to be disciples like Timothy. Why not here? Why not now? Use these next moments to pray and ask God, what's next?